You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. morning and praise the Lord. This is uh, Bishop Walker coming to you. Glad to be before you this morning. Certainly thank the Lord for such a beautiful day and certainly thank him for everyone that is tuning into the broadcast. I would like to say before we get started, I'm looking forward to seeing everyone next Sunday back in church. I pray that you come ready to worship and magnify God. A particular Sunday that we'll be back in church will be Mother's Day, so we look forward to worshiping God and honoring mothers. But this morning, I want you to go with me to the book of Habakkuk, the book of Habakkuk, and uh I would say to you the best way to find Habakkuk, if you have your Bible, is just to go to the table of contents, and we're going to consider one verse in chapter 2 of Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. Which states... Reading from the New King James Version. Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his or her faith. Again, Habakkuk 2 and 4. Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his her faith. And based upon the latter part of the verse, my subject this morning, living by your faith. Living by your faith. The first word in Habakkuk 2 and 4 is behold. The word is used to draw attention to a particular type person in the verse. The the word is used to cause people to really focus in on what is being said at the particular time of the text Habakkuk wanted the people of God to focus in on what God had given him. Habakkuk was a prophet of God. And according to Amos 3 and 7, the Lord will do nothing unless he revealed his secrets, his plan, his purpose, his word unto his servants, the prophets. And so he wanted his audience to focus in on what he was about to reveal to them that he had received from the Lord. 
And likewise, the Lord led me to this particular verse this morning. And I want you to focus on what was prophesied thousands of years ago, but is relevant in our day and time. And the main thing that Habakkuk wanted them to behold is the proud. The proud. And when you think about a person that is proud, it speaks of a person's heart. The heart represents primarily a person's thoughts, words, and deeds. Now, proud can be used in a negative as well as a positive way, or in a good and a bad or bad sense. When it's used in a good sense, one example is simply saying, I'm, I'm proud of the things that God has allowed me to accomplish. But in a negative sense, it means that I'm not happy in reference to what my brother or my sister has accomplished. It reveals in a negative sense uh, in that example, that I have selfishness in my heart. And proud in the verse carries a negative connotation. It speaks in reference to a person's heart being selfish, a person not being humble, a person basically doing in contrast to the will of God, whether written or Reveal. And so Habakkuk wanted his audience to pay close attention to look at the proud, to listen to the proud. And it's important to understand the proud when you hear what people with such character say, think, and do from God's perspective. And in saying that, I want you to consider what Solomon said in the book of Proverbs, the 16th chapter and verse 5, in reference to a person that's proud in heart. The book of Proverbs, the 16th chapter, and we're going to consider verse 5. This is what he said, or Solomon said. Everyone proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Again, Proverbs 16 and 5. Everyone proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. The Lord detests a person that is proud in heart. The Lord has no respect. For a person that is proud in heart. And when I consider this verse. It lets me know that. I need to make sure that I'm never selfish. Never disrespectful. Never just considering my own self. Need to make it my business to. 
make sure that I'm always on God's good side. Because I never want the Lord to look at me and be displeased. Never want him to look at me and say, Walker, I'm fed up with you. I'm tired of you. Never want him to utter out of his mouth, Walker, I didn't bless you for you to keep it all to yourself. But I bless you to be a blessing. And so, if I'm going to stay away from being proud, the bottom line, I have to live a life clothed in humility. I have to make sure that my thoughts, my words, my deeds are in line with the written and revealed will of God. I have to make sure. But now notice back in Habakkuk 2 and 4, what he specifically states in reference to the proud. Notice again what he, what he states here. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him. When you're a proud person in heart, you're not Christian. You can say you're Christian, but you're not Christian. Because your soul is not upright. Contextually, the word soul has three meanings. Number one, the soul represents the mindset of a person, the way a person thinks. When your mind is off or in a bad place, it's followed by your words being off, followed by your acts being off. Bottom line, when your mind is not according to the will of God, your words and your deeds likewise will not be in line with his will. But the soul also represents the desire or appetite of a person. A person whose soul is not upright will have a desire for things that are an abomination to God. Will have a desire for things that are in contrast to what is right. Even from a moral standpoint, the appetite will not be just. It will not be in line, again, with the will of God, written or revealed. And so, if I'm proud and my soul is not upright, I'll start to desire things that the scripture tells me that I shouldn't even look at with my eyes I'll start to go places that the scripture tells me I shouldn't even tread in reference to my feet I'll start 
thinking, talking, and doing things that I have no business doing simply because my soul is not upright. The final thing that the soul means in reference to the text is my choices. I'll start choosing based upon what I feel, what looks like it would be fit for me. I'll start choosing based upon what others tell me I should do instead of seeking the face of God and asking him for direction. See, the Bible is clear that when it comes to the life of a Christian, that we are to acknowledge God in all of our ways, and he will direct our path. But that particular scripture that I just quoted is Proverbs 3 and 5. We have to make sure that, that we acknowledge God. Because if not, we will choose the wrong things based upon what's taking place in our soul. And so when it comes to a proud person, his or her soul is not upright. You're not thinking right. You're not choosing right. Simply because inwardly things are not clean. Things are not pure. What's going on inwardly in the soul when a person is not upright, you're tainted, unclean. Instead of being holy inwardly, you're unholy. And often you can become unholy simply by hanging with the wrong folk. A person can be righteous until he or she starts following what the soul is suggesting. And end up hanging with the wrong folks. Doing the wrong things. And this is the sad thing. When a person is following his or her soul. And knows better. He or she would try to justify it. Would try to justify why, why they are thinking, saying, or doing certain things. But it's no justification when your lifestyle is in contrast to the will of God. That's the reason we are told in scripture when we find ourselves out of the will of God to simply repent or to turn from unrighteousness to the righteousness of God. And so bottom line, when it comes to being proud in heart, we simply need to make it our business to be clothed in humility, to always stay humble and submissive to what God is speaking, whether in his written or revealed word. But I want you to notice in Habakkuk 2 and 4 that after the prophet deals with the proud, he then shifts and he starts talking about the just. He starts talking about the just. Just two meanings of just 
here in the text that are based upon the Hebrew word. The first meaning for just is in reference to people that are lawful. People that have made it their business to conform to certain rules or specific authority. First and foremost, we must be just when it comes to God. Because God's law or God's rule should be above every other rule. We obey the laws of the land as long as the laws are not in contrast to the will of God. We obey parents, children, as long as the will of parents is not in contrast to the will of God. You do what you're taught in school as long as is not in contrast to the will of God. Because if I am a just person, yes, I'm lawful. Yes, I obey authority. But in my mind is God comes first. And it's backed up with the first and great commandment, which basically says that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. It's in line with what Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 33 when he decreed, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he said, And other things shall be added unto you. But Jesus, as well as men and women of God in the Old and the New Testament, had it in their being that God is number one. And see, as just people, we, we have to understand that despite the times, despite what we go through on a daily basis, God has to be number one. You cannot allow what you hear, what you see, dictate to you what you should or should not do without considering what does say is God's word. Because some things that may sound right are in contrast to the will of God. That's the reason Solomon revealed there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is destruction. We have to make it our business when it comes to being just that we follow the right authority. We follow the right rules. And we have specific order in reference to how we should follow such. God first. And other things secondary. God always has to be number one. But just in the text also speaks of people that have been transformed by God. Have been changed. Have made the choice to do what Paul talked about. 
in the book of Romans, the 12th chapter and the second verse, when he decreed to the church at Rome, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or know what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. A just person on a daily basis thinks, talks, and does according to God's the Lord is always in the forefront of a just person. The just person from Sunday in to Sunday out makes, makes it his or her business to submit to the will of God. Just people are not flawless, are not perfect. They make mistakes. They sin. But upon doing such, they are quick to repent, letting the Lord know that he is number one in their life. And so he speaks about the just. And he says here in the text something that is extremely important in reference to the time that we're living in. It's especially a reminder to those that have been in church for years and are dealing with trials, tribulations, or, or, or allowing what is taking place in our present day and time to drive us instead of allowing the omniscient God to direct our path. Notice what he says again here in Habakkuk 2 and 4, the latter part. The just shall live by his or her faith. I'm lawful, so, so how am I going to live? I'm going to live by, by my faith. In, in Romans 1 and 17, Paul closed out the verse by saying, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. He used it in a general sense, just reminding the people of God that we are to live by faith. But if you'll notice here in Habakkuk 2 and 4, that there is a distinction when it comes to just one word that Habakkuk uses. He says, the just shall live by his or her faith. He makes it personal. At the time, the people of God were, were going through horrendous times. And so he needed them to understand that, that everything you have been taught, now is the time for you to think it, Talk it and do it. But it has to be personal to you. See, the Bible says faith comes by hearing. And hearing the word of God. But there comes a time in every child of God's life. That 
what he or she receives has to become very personal. Because there are times to where we, we deal with things as an individual and we can try to make others to understand what we're going through, but they don't understand because it's personal. And when something becomes personal, especially when it's horrendous, you have to remember, you have to remember that, that this is hard. What I'm going through. People don't understand, but I must continue to live by Because often when something is personal, it's easy as a human to do what you feel or do what people are suggesting. But as a child of God, you don't live by suggestions, opinions, or by feelings. You live by your faith. He knew they were going through things. He knew they were having tough times. He knew that people were going through diverse things. It had became personal. Just like what's happening in our day and time. People are being affected in various ways. But we still have to live by faith. And so it's important to understand what he means when he says the just shall live by his or her faith. I want to break it down to you in three ways what it, what it means according to the text. First, it literally says that you, child of God, have to Start literally thinking based upon what you have been taught. Your mind has to be in the right place. Your mind has to be in the right place. If your mind is in the right place based upon how God created us, Your thoughts, your words, and your deeds go in that order. So if your mind is in the right place, you'll start saying what you need to say. You'll start doing what you need to do. That's the reason we have scriptures like Philippians 2 and 5. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. That's the reason Solomon revealed that as a person thinks in his heart, so is he. Jesus himself said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mind speaks or the mouth speaks. The heart in scripture not only represents our choices, but it represents our mindset. Bottom line, our mind has to be in the right place first and foremost. It has to be in the right place. So when I live by faith, I have a mindset 
to think according to the will of God. Paul said to the church, while they were going through a hard time, he said, look, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are pure, whatever things are of a good report, he said, think on these things. We have the capacity, the ability to adjust our mind to think according to God's will. And so literally we have to make sure that our mind is in the right place. But then secondly, it also says as a just person that we cannot Worry or doubt. We cannot worry or doubt. Will worry come? Will doubt come? Of course, we're human. But just because it comes does not mean we have to accept it. It's just like as a preacher, uh, I tell folk that I don't eat chicken. And so chicken may be put on the table. But I'm just not going to eat the chicken. It can be put on the table all, all the time. My wife fries it. I smell it. But I don't eat it. She brings it home from different places. But guess what? I don't eat it. Just like worry. Worry going to come. It's going to come on your job. It's going to come at your house. It's going to come when things are not going the way you desire them to go. It's going to come. Doubt going to come. But you don't have to accept it. You can refuse it just like it's chicken. If you don't eat chicken. Or whatever it is you don't like. You can refuse doubt and worry in the same way. It does not matter how you fix up chicken. I'm not going to eat it. You can boil it. You can fry it. You can, you can fry it in a black skillet. Or you can deep fry it. It does not matter. I'm not going to eat it. You can put honey on it. You can put wing sauce on it. You can put barbecue sauce on it. You can put honey mustard sauce on it. But I'm not going to eat it. I may like the smell of some of the sauces you put on it. But I'm still not going to eat it. And sometimes it's... Very tempting to worry or to doubt. But as a child of God, you can't do that. That's the reason the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 10 and 35. Matter of fact, I want to read it to you. If you're a just person, you cannot. Worry or doubt. You got to have confidence. Notice what the Hebrew writer said here in Hebrews 10, 35 and following. He says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Your confidence has great reward. Now, before I go on, let me say about worry and doubt, no reward. You get no reward for worry. No reward for doubt. 
not in a positive sense. Now, worry will hurt you. Doubt will stop the hand of God from moving in your life. But here we see how powerful it is to do the opposite of doubt and worry. When you have confidence, reward is coming. Reward is going to manifest simply because you are refusing to to worry. Even though everybody around you is worrying. You are refusing to doubt. Even though everybody else around you is doubting. See, see, in our day and time, people are doubting whether God can protect them. Doubting whether God has a final say. Doubting whether God is with them. Even though he promised in the Old and the New Testament, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I'll be with you always. But worry is to the point to where you have children of God uttering out of their mouth as well as exemplifying in their life that God is going to do what he promised. Children of God. Doubting, worrying. And exemplifying it, even though when it comes to the promises of God, 2 Corinthians 1 and 20 says, all of the promises of God in him are number one, yes. Number two, amen. We cannot worry. We have to have confidence. But notice he goes on to say this following uh, the 35th verse in Hebrews 10. For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Keep living by faith. In other words, don't even think about pulling back. Verse 39, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. See, just people believe that God will deliver them despite what they go through. They believe that God has the final say. Believe God is the alpha and the omega. Believe when it comes to their faith that he is the author and the finisher According to Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. They just believe that. So they continue to live by faith. Now, the final thing when it comes to your faith. It says about you that as a moral Christian. You're Christian and you have morals. Morals in the sense of your choices, right or wrong. You have made it your business, especially outside of the church, 
that when something is presented to you, you're going to choose to do what's right. That's living by faith. Somebody puts before you to do this, that, or the other. You're going to look at it and you're going to choose to do what's right. Even though wrong sounds good, you're still going to choose to do right. Even though wrong looks good, you're still going to choose to do right. Even though wrong seems like it'll be better fight, you're still going to choose to do right. Simply because you have made up in your mind that that, that is personal when it comes to your faith and you're going to make it your business to adhere to what Habakkuk said. The just shall live by his or her faith. Final thing. If I live by my faith, I'm going to have to overcome some things. But overcoming is part of the process when it comes to faith. I want to show you what John said in 1 John 5 and 4. See, when, when you're living by personal faith, you, you got to understand something. You're going to go through some battles. You're going to go through some ups and downs. It's just part of a life of faith. But John said this right here. 1 John 5 and 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. A lot of people that are, that are born again don't like going through trials and tribulations, but trials, tribulations, trouble, and such are part of faith. But we overcome whatever we face, whatever opposition comes our way. And notice, by our faith by us making up in our mind that we are going to personally do certain things based upon what we have been taught well I've been taught such and such and based upon that this is what I'm going to do and so in closing child of God you're going to get the victory but you have to understand it is dependent on your faith. You have to make it your business to work out your own soul salvation. You have to make it your business to put into action what you have been taught. Your faith. Your faith is what's going to cause you to get the victory. Thank you for listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. Please stop by our website for more information on our church at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.com. 
www.ghostofjesus.org. Until next time, remember, Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly.